Welcome to this episode of Pastor Talk. I'm Pastor Tim here with Pastor Nathan. We're going to talk to you today about the difference between a believer and a disciple and what that kind of means in our lives and what we think the Bible talks about on how we should be a disciple of Christ and not just a believer because even the demons believe and tremble, the book of James says. And so, Pastor Nathan, you talked about a book about the Back Jewish to, back to Jerusalem. Back to Jerusalem. So if you want to lead us off in that example and we can kind of take it from there. Yeah, back to Jerusalem. I was listening to David Platt preach about this book that he had read and it's uh, authored by these uh Chinese house pastors who were discussing basically this difference that what they saw was that the state does not mind if there are churches where believers show up because from what they have been able to tell and in their research, believers don't do anything. Mm-hmm. They don't cause any disruption. They don't change anything. They, don't, they, they just give their money to the church, of which China gets a portion of that money back to them, being a state church, and uh, they literally have no problem with people believing in Jesus. What they have a massive problem with is disciples, mm. people who don't just take their belief, don't just show up to church, but proselytize, give of their own income, won't stop talking about Jesus, uh, attempt to pray over people, attempt to heal people, like believe that the spiritual gifts are still happening. Like those people, they don't just shun them or belittle them in the media or in public circles. They kill them. They imprison them. Like they will go to extreme lengths to find a person who is being considered a disciple in a province and hunt them down and ruin their life. Yeah. And for me, reading that, it was pretty eye-opening. Uh, and I think we do see some of that, and I think what we want to talk a little bit about here is we see some of that in America today. We see true disciples get blasted on social media. Mm-hmm. They say anything that somebody else doesn't like and some other, and it's usually another pious Christian, honestly. Yeah. Very few non-believers tear down a believer who's making incredible inroads for the Lord. They just don't care enough. Yeah. But it's usually some other self-righteous Christian who jumps on the airwaves and posts a response video or calls them a fake or a false prophet, and then the non-believers jump in. Then anybody who doesn't have any... Because now we've created our own division, our own mess. And so I guess a little bit about what we want to talk about is certainly the church in America is full of just believers. Come in, I put in my 90 minutes in church, I get out. Yeah. And then we have also see mostly through social media, and then maybe you read books or whatnot. But we do see there are disciples. There are men and women out there, unafraid, unashamed, walking in the Spirit, preaching Christ and Him crucified at the cost of their own well-being, at the cost of their own comfort. So where does the, I guess, where does it, where does the water get a little murky when it comes to being a disciple for Christ who is unashamed, unafraid, walking in the truth, and then just being a critical heretic or somebody who is out just causing waves and it doesn't seem like there's fruit. Like, where is that? And we see that in Jesus' life because he had a core group of 12 and he had more people that followed him after that, you know, 72 that he sent out. Mm -hmm. And then he had many other followers, but they weren't disciples. And so in John 6, when he starts talking about eat my body and drink my, eat my flesh and drink my body, they start, they scattered because they weren't truly his disciples. They were only there for one reason is he fed them and he was kind of cool to listen to and maybe just some distraction from the day. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when push came to shove and 
when it became really hard to follow him, they scattered. And that's what we see in, in America for sure is people that just follow Jesus because maybe it's a perk of going to church with family and friends. Maybe you get a get out of hell free card in your mind. Uh, maybe it's something that just, I grew up this way. And so this is what's comfortable for me. But when it really comes down to, are you willing to be persecuted? Are you really willing to give of your time and your finances to Jesus fully? Are you willing to give of your, your the time you spend in the word? Are you willing to put yourself out there and be obedient, even if it's out of your comfort zone, because that's what God will call us to do, then it becomes more uncomfortable for us. And I think even when you look at America at large, like America, the government, whoever doesn't have a problem with Christians, like they're moral, they help people. Yeah, they, they, they give charitably, but just kind of like stay over there, do your thing, stay in your church, don't step out of it. Like, even though it's not openly said, like, that's what's, that's what happens. And so when disciples mm-hmm. start to speak up on social media and start to call out sin for what it is, when they start to call out against the norms of the day that go against the word of God, those people get demonized because now you see, okay, well, you're not just being a quiet, good Christian, believing what you want, and then going about your day, you're actually influencing me and calling out my sin. I don't like that. And so I'm going to push out, push against that. Yeah. And so uh, that's what I see in the culture today. And that's the big difference between just the quiet little good Christian and the disciples that are actually taking ground against Satan's territory, actually like working in the gifts, like you said, uh, being bold. And that's who Satan wants to quiet and those who Satan controls wants to quiet as well. So that brings up another point that we've talked about in our inner circle here as pastors. How then do we truly judge a false prophet, right? Now, I understand the clear-cut things. If you're not preaching about the Godhead, the Trinitarian uh, understanding of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, if you don't preach that Jesus was, in fact, God from the very beginning of time, he's an uncreated being. Right. Um, And if you are preaching that Jesus died on the cross, rose again under his own power, defeated sin and death, returned the authority to man that was given to man at creation, I mean, you're teaching those those foundational pieces, right? We all believe that. You can't go and say, well, if any of those things are off, then you're not teaching the gospel. Yeah. But at what point do we call out a false teacher or a heretic who's preaching what some would call a cheap grace, uh, what others would say, oh, they're preaching a health and wealth gospel, what some would say they're just preaching what itching ears want to hear. And then on the flip side of that, You've got those who look at this, um, you know, lovers of Calvin, lovers of Luther, reform side who say, no, you must be walking like this. You must be doing these things. If you aren't doing this, then you aren't truly a disciple and seeking the Lord. Are we to call out false teachers? What's our responsibility to, what's our responsibility there um, to call out false teachers? And at what point do we consider them a false teacher if they've got those other core things I mentioned correct, but they're off track on some of these other things? Yeah. Well, I think being that we're pastors and we have a flock, like we're not going to spend our time calling out false teachers. That's not what we're supposed to do. And if someone comes to us and says, should I listen to this person? We can give them guidance. We can say, Hey, they're, they're good here. You want to be careful about this. Uh, I just had a conversation with someone the other day is like, should I listen to these people? And it's like, well, I wouldn't spend my time listening to them, you know, but you're free to do that. And there's probably good to be had there, but just be careful. And so, but 
but too many people make a platform nowadays on being a heresy hunter and that's all they talk about. And they don't point to Jesus. They just point away from these people, but not actually point to what you're supposed to talk about. And so I think there is a point to say, okay, we don't want to let this come into our flock or we don't want to spend our time listening to someone who is in blatant heresy, but also the way people define a false teacher nowadays just means someone that doesn't believe like I believe. Mm-hmm not even among the primary tenets of the faith. We're talking about secondary issues. And so I always love to say in the primary unity and secondary freedom and in all things charity, because at the end of the day, like there's different interpretations of the Bible, but as long as we believe that Jesus is the only way to, 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 to God, then we can debate without having to divide over it. Uh, and so I think for false teachers, when I, what I look at is Second Peter 2. Second Peter 2 talks about false teachers. He talks mm-hmm. about greed, talks about uh, a sexual uh, you know, abuse. He talks about people that uh, point to themselves only. Uh, and Second Peter 2 is a, an awesome example where if we just look at anybody that we call a false teacher nowadays and put them through that lens, most wouldn't cut it. Because even if someone is what we would say maybe more prosperity gospel or not, um, many of them, not all, will still say that Jesus is the only way to heaven, mm-hmm. um, but they're just really money focused. And we would say, well, that's not for me. Uh, I, I don't want to put money first. And so I'm not going to listen to you. Uh, and so under that, that and, and Jesus called out false teachers. He said, false Christ will come saying, I am he, don't listen to them. And so... Uh, it, it is talked about a lot in the Bible, and Paul dealt with it in his his day. Uh, many sects that were being formed uh, that were preaching a different gospel, and, and Paul even said, "If we preach a different gospel than the one presented to you, may we be damned. Mm-hmm. May we be anathema. Even if an angel of light comes preaching a different gospel, don't listen." And, and so the, the gospel message itself is so important that that maintains its purity, what's been passed down for centuries, but also these, these secondary issues, if someone believes something slightly different that doesn't automatic, automatically make them a false teacher. Let me throw something out there that I don't even think we've really talked about before, but, and I don't even know if we're going to agree on this, but I think that this would lend to the current problem with people. You mentioned something that we both had happen to us a lot is people come up and say, what do you think of this guy? Mm -hmm. What do you think of this? So I've started listening to this. I I think that this is such a unique problem to the last 15 to 20 years. Yeah. Before the last 15 to 20 years, you listened to your pastors. That was it. That's who you had. And you had the Bible. And you had the scriptures. And if you believed your pastor was in grave error or under grave sin and refused to repent, you went to another church. Yep. And that became your pastor, your shepherd. And the problem I have with social media and listening to a thousand different pastors throughout the week and then coming to your pastor and being like, all right, let's see how he does. I just listened to these world-class pastors all week. Mm-hmm. You, you undercut, you don't only undercut your pastor, but you also remove any authority he has in your life. Because if he tells you something or he brings correction in your life, you can just go and find five other world-renowned pastors Mm -hmm. who will affirm whatever it is you're doing. And we've seen that. We've seen that. And so I know you're a social media guy. I know that uh, you do a lot through social media, a lot of talking and instruction for people. But one of the things that really gets to me is there is a lack of uh, submission to spiritual guidance. Mm Mm-hmm. And not just to me as a senior pastor, but to any of my pastors, to my elders. Yeah. There is a, I know better. I've got the right way to do it. 
I've talked to my friends or I listened to this pastor all week. I found him on YouTube and, and he's just so wise and I love the way he does this. And so what we have is we have actively the body of Christ undermining the shepherd that they've been given in search for another shepherd. Yeah. So the real question becomes, who's who's your shepherd there? And don't give me the Jesus is my shepherd. I'm well aware of that. I also know that Jesus has called us to be pastors, which is shepherds over the flock of his body. That was his design. That was his way of doing it. And so if that's how he chose to do it, the truth is, if I tell you to do it this way, but you've been listening to this famous pastor over here, and you would you would go to him, and if he told you to stop doing it, you would listen mm-hmm. because you just love his preaching and you think they're so spot on. Who's the real shepherd? And so we have a lot of church. We have a lot of people in church yeah. who are sitting in a church, saying they're part of a church, but none of the men in leadership of that church or the women are actually people that those men and women in your church are submitted to. Yeah, they say they are until you come against them. Yeah, until you speak something that goes against what they a pre-held presuppositional belief it goes against what they uh, when they read the scriptures it's what they see and rather than sitting in a council of men at the leadership of their church they just walk away and say no thanks I've got another church down the road or I've got this guy I've been listening to I'm following his teachings I'm going to find a church that lines up with that yeah and that to me is the biggest danger of this disciple believer is we have people who become disciples of pastors and shepherds that they'll never even meet in their life. Those men don't care about them. They aren't under their flock, their purview, and yet that's who they're really submitting to. And we've seen the fallout of that, not just in our local church, but in churches surrounding us and other pastors I talk to, what it's like to feel like uh, you're undermined by this super pastor out there who everyone loves <laughs> listening to, and they come to you and tell you about the sermon they listened to all week and how they listen to multiple podcasts of them. And while it's great and our access to information is incredible, there is something to be said about the church has lost its its efficacy yeah. in the lives of the people who attend. Yeah, I think you get desensitized because there's so much information. I mean, it's it's kind of like when someone is addicted to porn and they have all these lustful images and then they can't come home to their wife because they've created this narrative that's like, oh, I need to see this. And it it puts your wife at a disadvantage because like, I can't compete with that. Right. Right? And so it's almost like what we're doing to, to our core church that you're in. And and a red flag is when you see someone who church hops, right. And not just like searching for a church, but like I'm here six months and then 12 months and then six months. And I had a friend in high school that like, he was, it was almost like he was bragging when he's like, yeah, the last four churches, I would, I would always argue with the senior pastor and then I'd leave. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's not coming under submission. Like now we have so many sermons, you have live streams, you have social media where you can get the word maybe, but at the same time, like that's not being the church. That's being a consumer. You are a consumer of knowledge, but you're not actually doing anything with it. You're, you're strictly on your phone, looking at stuff, thinking that you're, you're getting church for the day. And yeah, sure. I love social media. I'm on social media. I'm not saying anything like that, but it has to be a balance. You have to make sure that there's a place that you can come under authority of that. You can use your gifts for that. You can volunteer your time. You can serve the community, like all those things that the church does. Now there's this move like, yeah, I don't need that. Mm-hmm. Like I'm good. I got, I got my Bible. I got my, my phone and maybe three friends that believe what I believe and we're good. And, and that's there, where, that's such a church, danger. That's where online church comes in. 
why watch church online? And we've heard that a lot since 2020. Or I watch my church online now, or we have people tell us, oh, I attend your church, but only online. Right. And when you, when you attend a church online, or you solely listen to this preacher out of Georgia or wherever, because you just love their style, you love their truth, then what that does is, like you said, you become a consumer of all the content that they're giving without any accountability. Mm-hmm. And do you know what we call that in the world? Who's somebody who consumes and takes only without any accountability or reciprocity and gives back. I said it in service a few months, but that's what a parasite is. A parasite right. takes and takes and takes yeah. for its benefit to grow itself and gives nothing back to the host. Right. And so when we have a culture that says, oh, I attend your church online, I, I don't give financially because tithing, of course, is an Old Testament thing, and I don't serve because, well, I've, I'm busy and I've got kids and they've got sports and I've got a family, and I don't come under any authority because, well, I haven't ever even met your pastors. I don't know if I can trust them, but, mm-hmm. but I go to church. Right. No, no you don't. Yeah. <laughs> you watch sermons, you watch teachings, you could get that at any college, any Christian college, any professor could preach on the scriptures and that would be similar to what you're getting. Church is not the sermon, it's not even the three to four worship songs, it, it's the whole thing combined. Yeah. And there's, there's purpose to that. And what we've done in our society is separated the personal individual responsibility, removed it and kept the parts of church that we like, sort of yeah. like what we do with the scriptures sometimes. We move yeah. the parts that we don't like and, and this is not keep to, what we do. to build a, a thing. This is because we see the benefit and we see this time and again in people that we meet where once they get involved and once they're using their gifts and once they're passionately serving, like we see that growth in their marriage, in their kids, in everything. It's a holistic approach once you're fully invested in being the church, mm-hmm. which God calls us to be. And what we see the opposite is those that get disconnected, that isolate, that come once a month, that they start to have problems. They start to have problems in their marriage. And once those problems come, it's like, well, now it's too late. I can't actually get help because I'm going to look weak. I'm going to have to just see this through and get divorced and then go down this road. Instead of like, no, that's why the church exists, to help you to actually call out sin, which is not pleasant in the moment, but can lead to healing in those broken parts of your life. And so and so when you, and 2020 taught us about isolation, how, how dangerous that is, and how it can just lead to more things that are, are I mean, Satan is looking to pluck people out of the church. He's looking to pluck leadership out uh, that are doing things for the kingdom. And so we have to stay on guard. And we do that as a community by having accountability in your life, by having, you know, we talk about small groups, not because we want this amazing small group program, because we see the value in having a community, right? Like your pastor, if you don't go to this church or different church, your pastor may not be there for you in the moment because, right, they have a especially the bigger churches, thousands of people, but your small group that you're with, those are the people that can actually call you up and say, hey, mm-hmm. you haven't been to church in a week or how's your marriage doing or how are your kids doing or you're in the hospital, they come visit you first before the pastor does. Like That's where the life of the church happens is being connected. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think that uh, if I could somehow just implant one thought into the believer that currently attends our church, it would be that the same attention, dedication, and fight you give to your family, your spouse, and your kids, what if you gave it to your church? And I'm not putting that out there as a pastor. I'm, that's what Paul said. Mm-hmm. Church isn't like a family. 
Paul said it is a family. Yeah. He even gave the, not just a family, but he gave the commitment between a man and a woman in marriage, mm-hmm. saying that we have this commitment to one another to, to die to self, even in the church body. Mm-hmm. Uh, a call to follow Christ is a constant dying to self. And so it's, uh, it's a lot like you said in comparing, you know, getting all of your sermons from the internet and then you get to your pastor as we begin to cheapen the relationship. Yeah. And when, when we won't take discipline, when we won't take correction from our pastor, when we won't take suggestions and we'll find somebody who will give us an easier way, that's what itching ears want to hear. Yeah. It's not always just this pastor and what he's preaching and he's preaching health and wealth or he's a loudspeaker or whatever else. What itching ears want to hear is not somebody who is going to come against what they want, right? And so often we think it's just preaching. It's mm-hmm. just either about money or it's preached the way that I, I believe, which is a conservative Baptist viewpoint or, or a charismatic viewpoint. That's really not what it is. Yeah. Really what we come against and what we're seeing in America in the church is our itching ears do not want to be told something we absolutely do not want to do by a senior member of the church. We don't yeah. want to hear it. No. We've already dismissed it. And for you to come and tell me that and then tell me that if I don't do that, that I'm in disobedience or some type of rebellion, well, who are you to tell me? Mm-hmm. Who, right? And that be, that's really the attitude in the heart of the American church. Who are you to tell me? Yeah. I, I can go get this anywhere. And that, that's where the devil, man, in this country has torn the church apart by, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he started with the family first. Yeah. He started with the nucleus of the family first, and then has moved on to the body of Christ through the church. And the last three years only served to deepen that divide between the individual and the local community church. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you look at church attendance being down, there's this deconstructionist movement. There's a lot of things happening in the culture of the American church, but I'm, I'm hopeful because when you see the church that's fully equipped with, with disciples that are doing things for each other and for the community that are passionately seeking the loss that are equipped in the gifts that are, are healing as a demonstration to lead people to Christ. Like that's what's, that's what excites me. And sure people are leaving. I think a lot of dead churches because I've gone to church my whole life. It hasn't helped me is what they, they say. I don't see God's power. I don't see anything move. I just show up for an hour and I don't live like a disciple the rest of the week, like, who am I joking? This is, this is worthless is how they probably justify it. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's not who the church is. And there's life in it. It's who we were created to be is to follow Jesus and to be in community with one another. And so I'm hopeful that there'll be a resurgence, uh, a surgeon's pockets of revival of the church actually being the church again. Um, and then there'll be a dichotomy between what you can see is like, okay, these churches are, are doing amazing things. And there's a, a, there's fruit behind the movement versus these churches have nice buildings and they have a 47 minute, you know, service that you can get in and out of. And, you know, they just have all these campuses and then there's no fruit there. Um, and so I'm going to, I'm going to go where the fruit is. I'm going to push myself to be a disciple and to, to serve God, even when it's uncomfortable. And, um, I just pray that you do too, if you're listening, hopefully this encourages you, hopefully you, uh, just think in your head, like, yeah, we, 
we believe, but are we actually a disciple in every aspect of our life? Because more than likely, there's one aspect of your life that you haven't fully given over to Jesus. Or maybe you have and you've taken back some of those rights. Maybe it's finances and things get tight and we're like, oh, I just need to be in more control. The true freedom comes in giving over that control to God and letting him do with it as he will and just being obedient and being being, uh, submissive to his will first and you'll see that freedom. Yeah, that's exactly right. We want at LifePoint here in Santan Valley, we, we, we want to see disciples. And by God's grace, that's what we're seeing. We're seeing an influx of new believers. We're seeing an influx of people uh, who don't have a relationship with Christ, but they see something when they come here. Yeah. And what they're seeing is hungry men and women who are desiring the Lord above all else. They're laying down their lives. They're laying down their time, their comfort in order to serve the Lord, and uh, even their own name. They, they aren't caring anymore what you think of them, yeah. and they're saying, I want you to know Jesus the way I do. And whatever that costs, if I can give it, if I have the ability to give it, I'm going to give it. Mm-hmm. And that's the big shift we've seen this summer here and that we've been praying for is, uh, God, we've always had lots of believers in this church, mm-hmm. but Lord, make us a church full of disciples. Yeah. And what a disciple is, and someone who answers that question of Christ, which is, are you going to eat my flesh and drink my blood? Because you understand what he's saying. Mm-hmm. You understand what he's calling you to. Yeah. And uh, we're seeing that here. I couldn't be, I've never, I couldn't be more thrilled in my time out here to see the hunger that's in the people, even in the unbeliever who shows up in this place. You can tell they're hungry. You can tell that they are desiring something greater than what the world has afforded them. And that comes when more of your body are disciples than just believers there for the show. And we're grateful for those of you who are here, and for those of you who are here who are saying, I want to transform from a believer into a disciple. How do I do that? Simplest, easiest answer is get involved and say yes to whatever opportunities the Lord brings. That's right. Just say yes. Don't say no to anything. Move your schedule around. Say yes. And you won't do that forever, but for a season... And the Lord will show you some of the requirements and things that will grow your life, improve your marriage, your relationship with kids, your work relationships. It it doesn't just affect your church life, it affects your whole life. And so we invite more disciples here at LifePoint as we pursue on into this calling that God has given us. Amen. Amen. See Thanks for time. joining us. We're brought to you by Behringer Tools. Oh gosh, yes. And Lady Boss. Yeah, this is a product of Behringer Tools. Behringer, all your needs, and there's a lifetime promise. Is that guaranteed? It's guaranteed. Guaranteed for a lifetime with Behringer Tools. And Lady Boss Premium Christian Shoes. Yeah. Confident, powerful, confidence. We'll see you next time.